Hello everyone, this is episode 8 and today we are discussing the mindset of C-suite executives and how they grow and lead their companies with Wayne Sugar of Peer Group Forums. Let's dive in. You're listening to the Merged Marketing Podcast with David Louch and Jason Hunt. This is a show all about unlocking the marketing tactics and secrets behind everyday brands. Each week, we'll bring you expert commentary so that you can make better choices when it comes to growing your business. Thank you for spending time with us. Now let the show begin. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of the Merge Marketing Podcast. This week, we have an exciting guest and topic to explore. Wayne Sugar is a self-proclaimed growth guru to small and medium-sized companies. For over 30 years, he has been coaching entrepreneurs and guiding them through the process of hyper growth. His passion has always been to help people break through um, and take their business to the next level, no matter how successful they already are. Wayne, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. How are you today? Are you down south? I am. I live in Atlanta. It's uh, almost spring, not quite. Another- <laughs> Another 10 days and uh, the trees will be in bloom. Oh, that's good. Lucky you. You get to escape to the, to the great, great warm south. Well, I'm coming, to the, uh, the, I'm coming to the frozen tundra of Toronto next Friday. So for, th- for Valentine's Day. So. Wait, you're a native of, uh, you're a native of uh, Toronto, right? No, I'm from Calgary. I'm, I'm, I'm a dual citizen, Canadian, U.S. I've lived in the U.S. since uh, 1988, but I'm from Calgary. Went to the University of Waterloo. Oh, lived, nice. lived and worked in Toronto for a, a period of time. So uh, I know the area. Yeah, well, I'm sure you don't miss the cold. No. <laughs> Today's one of those days where uh, it's not that nice and we wish we were down south. But um, before we dive into uh, the mindset of C-suite executives and what separates a successful one from a non-successful one, um, just please provide a brief background of, of who you are, uh, but also a high-level view of, of what it is you do specifically at Peer Group Forums, um, I think which will provide the context for our listeners as to how you've had the privilege to interact with so many business leaders uh, in, in your time. Yeah, well, currently I am the founder of uh, Peer Group Forums, which is a peer advisory uh, group b- board and uh, we have different chairs so I, I recruit and train and support different chairs but the really the, the business is uh, meetings of uh, CEO COO or C-suite type people they get together uh, we have different uh, formats a virtual group and then classroom style and and uh, kind of in the future we'll be working on more of a summit uh, type get together quarterly uh, members get together and uh, generally discuss issues that they may have. Uh, I don't provide any coaching really to them. They coach themselves, but that's where really the, the, the crux of the business is really that the members work amongst themselves, um, processing different problems or issues that they have. We call that collaborative inquiry. And uh, that's kind of what the business is. Prior to that, uh, the last nine years I was doing really just uh, full-time executive coaching CEO, COO type. and uh, uh, the issues with them would be more you know accountability leadership culture uh, occasionally I'd help them with their operational things uh, technology 
uh, maybe an issue. And then uh, prior to that, for 30 years, I was heavy into the franchising business, been a franchisor twice. So I know what it's like to train, recruit and support uh, people or recruit, train and support is better um, the way that that works. And uh, launched hundreds and hundreds of franchisees over the years. So each one's an individual business, independent contractor. Uh, so you got to get them kind of lined up and uh, following the program. And if you're successful doing that, then you've got a pretty successful or profitable franchise system. So I, I took all of what I've learned for personal development over the years and implemented that in, in my franchising background. And then my executive coaching was pretty much the same. I could tap into my pretty vast uh, knowledge base of running a small business with structure and systems and coach CEOs that may or COOs that may not have that uh you know, they're looking for somebody to bump up against uh, somebody that can give them some direction uh, who's maybe been there and done it. And, you know, we could cut a couple of corners here, maybe use the money that I've spent over the years to teach myself things and, and cut a corner and save them some time and effort and frustration. So that was my executive coaching. Cool. Well, uh, thank you for the background on just kind of how you got started and, uh, uh, and where you're at now. So I guess the first question I kind of want to explore, which you, you you alluded to a little bit in your in your intro there, but you know what led to the idea of forming a company uh, and group around like bringing these high level executives, CEOs and CEOs, um, together to help each other in the group sort of uh, solve problems to to the challenges that they're having. Like what what was it that kind of dawned on you one day? Like oh you know. I should form a group or, or there's there's a there's an opportunity here well many years ago probably 15 years ago uh we started even within one of our franchise companies uh peer groups amongst franchisees now they were all within the same category business category but they were different parts of the country we had learned over a period of time that, you know who to put together but you know you could put people together that have the same volume of business maybe the same geography, maybe, you know, when they started. So, you know, it took a little bit of time to figure out what was the secret sauce to that. Uh, and then I, I've been in some of these, um, you know, kind of mastermind groups and went, well, it, it's best practices. One company may have, you know, they, they, they could be somebody's an architect or an engineer. They're going to look at a problem differently than somebody who's in website development or SEO. Right. And uh, so it's great to put people in the same room, completely different, non-competitive categories of business. And it, generally people have the same issues. It's labor, it's employment, it's accountability, it's onboarding, it's training, it's fear of firing. Tell me when you want me to stop because that's, they all have similar problems. Yeah. Uh, so putting people into a room with, you know, 10 to 14, 12 to 14 people that share common issues. Some maybe dealt with it a year ago or two years ago. Somebody's dealing with it today and uh, can't wait to get to the next meeting and say, I'm ready to go on the hot seat. Uh, here's my problems. This is what it's cost me so far. This is what I've done to date. Uh, help. So it was, it's really just share of best practices and experiences that people come from completely different backgrounds and non-competing categories of business that uh, want to help each other. 
really want to, uh, during this, this podcast, and I think you're a great source for this, is really getting into the mindset and the psychology of a CEO, right? Yeah. Um, there are, uh, because obviously, you know, there's, I was, me and David were talking about this earlier today, because there are different types of kind of CEOs. You have your small business CEOs, um, you know, that are much different than the corporate um, kind of CEO that's built around and their mindset built around structure for many years to put them in that CEO position that they sit in, where a lot of CEOs at smaller companies don't have that wealth of experience in terms of managing a structured sort of system. Um, and I really think, that, you know, there's, but there's something to be said about the foundation of the mindset of the CEO and, and what makes them a little different from the rest. Yeah. Well, you know, even with our peer group forums, uh, we're trying to create over, it'll probably be more this year, groups that you can, you can find your own tribe. And maybe it's 2 million and above in annual revenues, maybe it's 5 million. But somebody who's sort of 10 to 15 million in annual sales is different. He's got a completely different uh, um, accountability and structure than somebody that's 2 million. Yeah, the $2 million guy probably doesn't have a COO or a CFO. He's kind of a jack of all trades, wears one hat or multiple hats, sorry, where somebody who's maybe 10 to 15 million in annual revenue is completely different. They're both CEOs, but have uh, a completely different uh, span of control and and uh, accountability and things like that. So com- yeah, even when just with executive coaching, I had to tailor my coaching to people that were, okay, if you're a 2 million or one and a half million in annual revenues, you have, you know, way less people that are, that you're, that are reporting directly to you than somebody who's 15 million, but you need to learn to delegate uh, the smaller business, the CEO, he's got his fingers into everything, touching everything where the $15 million guys, more of a delegation guy could be a bigger picture guy working always six months in advance. Today is uh, February 7th. So March, April, May, June, July, August. He should be looking at August the 7th, uh, 2020 for his business, not on today, you know, today's activities where the smaller guy, he's, he's probably a little too involved in the day-to-day things without seeing the big picture, but he doesn't have the people that can help build the, the vision. Uh, he is kind of the vision. Flying by the seat of their pants, so to speak. A little bit, yeah, yeah. They're yeah. fighting fires, uh, you know, bobbing and weaving on the way to work every day because yeah. you know the fireballs coming at them. And you know, the other guy, the the bigger picture guy, he's you know he's got other people that can deal with that. Tell me when I got to get involved, and if I don't, you'll take care of it. Uh, kind of. It's a good segue, uh, Wayne, to my next question, which really is geared around um, you know. And because I ask you, because I think you got a lot of experience, obviously dealing with uh, different breeds of, of CEOs. But what, in your opinion, would are good traits or characteristics of a good CEO versus a um, a not so good CEO? Leadership and delegation. Well, and and how to build a good culture. So those are the I would say those are the three things. You got to be able to lead. People need to be able to see the vision and then help build it. Feel that they're part of it. So that's culture, but it's also the leadership. Um, so those are the those are the real key ones: leadership, culture, and what did I say? The other one was leadership, culture, and uh, I don't think you had a delegation. Thought. Delegation, probably. Delegation. So, yeah, you got to be able to delegate. You can't do everything. You got to be able to, you know, it's the eighty-two percent rule kind of thing. If somebody can do it eighty or eighty-two percent as well as you, let them do it. 
but, you know, I would say there's been such in the last two or three years, such a focus on onboarding and how well you train. But it all goes back to selection, you know, interview and selection, who you bring it on, not necessarily for skill, because uh, everybody's got, got good skills, but are they a good culture fit for you? And then just train them, uh, keep them, you know, maybe don't, don't throw them out there. If they're in a revenue generating position, don't put them out there right away. Let them learn the ropes, learning from somebody who's really good. Uh, maybe you bite the salaries for a month and train, train, train and support. And then, you know, ease them into the business. Bef- instead of just throwing them out there and here's your calls, make it happen. Uh, that seems to be an older style. and we, every, Everybody's done that. But onboarding and training and supporting is so much more important, I think, nowadays than it ever used to be. Would you say like, you know, talking on that point, you know, kind of navigating the ship and that onboarding process for that CEO, do you think a a good CEO has it in them to walk into any sort of experience or situation and kind of take the bull by the horns and, and, and manage it? Or is that unrealistic to think and that they really do that CEO to be in a position to succeed, need that support staff around them to help them be that, uh, be that leader? Well, uh, my favorite word in the English language, and you just used it, is situational. So to answer your question, that's a situational problem. Some CEOs are great at delegation. They know what their skills are, and they've done a really good job of delegating and holding people accountable and giving them, those people, good professional development so that they're able to learn and, and grow and develop themselves. Um so a CEO has to be able to, you know, they, they don't need to be an expert in each part of the business. Uh, could be, op, you know, maybe they're not great at operations, but he's, they've got a great VP op. Maybe they're more financial uh, CFO type that's been promoted to CEO or something. So their strengths lie there, but that, that doesn't mean that they don't have knowledge or skills in the operations or recruiting or training or marketing. But they, you know, they need to, they need to be pretty pretty skilled and, and knowledgeable in those areas, but they rely on the, the expertise and the, um, the knowledge of that person that could be the chief marketing officer or the chief financial officer or the chief operating officer or something like that. So, but you know, they need to know a lot about a lot of stuff. That's why they're, that's why they're sitting in the big chair in the corner of the office. Absolutely. And what was that term you used? BP, BPA? BPA? Uh, chief marketing officer, or I thought there was a term. Maybe I just uh, missed it. Okay. Oh, did, um, we, did we create a new title? Maybe, <laughs> possibly. The uh, last job description. Yeah. So, um, you know, going on for a bit here, Wayne. This and this is something you did not touch on when you talked about some of those uh, key similarities with people that may be in uh, in one of these CEO groups or yeah. CEO groups. And that is is the work life balance. You know, obviously, a lot of CEOs. I mean, I think uh, you know the preconceived notion of a CEO is that yeah, they work a lot of long hours and they work hard and they lead a company, right? But um, you know, that work life balance. How is that best managed? And is that something that that people can kind of rely on peer group for support? Yeah, that's that is that's kind of the hidden. I wouldn't call it the hidden agenda part of our groups, but that is crucial. 
most CEOs, it's a pretty lonely business at the top. Uh, I mean, you only have a few people. If you're not within a group, an advisory group, who do you run your ideas by? Uh, could be your spouse, could be some people that are working for you, could be some old friends, could be some college, university uh, chums or something like that. But they're not, you know, if they've never been a CEO, they're, they're listening to you, but they can't really offer a lot of suggestions or advice. So the it's great to join a group. Again, I, I mentioned, you know, find your tribe. And these are people that are dealing with similar things. So, you know, you can bump up against them. You can run some ideas by them. You could come up with, okay, this is, uh, I'm listening. I, I, I'm maybe not putting on myself on the hot seat here quite yet as a member in the group, but over a period of time, we make them at some point in time, jump in the hot seat. But you're listening and uh, learning from others doing kind of the same job. Doesn't matter, you know, uh, Jason, you make widgets. David, you, you're a technology guy and, you know, I do whatever I do. But we have a lot of stuff in common uh, business-wise. And I'd be crazy not to listen to, or you'd be crazy not to listen to me if it was something that I've got a history in or I've just recently dealt with. So the work-life balance is, it's crucial. It's, you know, being a CEO, COO type, that's a lot of hours. But again, it's a lonely job at the top. Not a lot of people to run your ideas by or bounce ideas off of sounding board kind of thing. So that's a, it's a, it's a perfect way to, you know, nobody runs a a perfectly superior business. Everybody's got some issues and uh, group and saying, you know, I, I, I maybe not have the problem today. I see it in six months. You know, if you're a good CEO, you're six months out in front of, of your business, uh, not not February 7th. And I can see something could be marketing. It could be, you know what? I've had two people that worked for me for the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. I think I might need to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. They've gone stale. I've gone stale coaching them. Mm-hmm. And I maybe need some new blood. Uh, they're still performing, but... Um, I, I feel that I need to, we need to kind of go in a different direction. Maybe we need to add a new revenue stream to our business if I'm looking out in front and maybe uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure that they're up for another big challenge. 20 years or 13 years of doing this and getting comfortable with it. You know, sometimes you got to be outside uh, your comfort zone a lot uh, and find, you know, find a new revenue stream. So can you come with, can you come with that problem to the group? Yeah, that's what you should bring to the group and say, I'm, I need some, who, who has recently done this? Yeah, and I think that's a, that's a theme people probably hear a lot when it comes to, you know, CEOs of massive companies that it's lonely at the top and, and really it's just you and uh, yourself kind of making decisions. And, and it's the exact same for small business owners as well. You know, it can be a very lonely lifestyle, um, you know. I guess just closing the gap on everything we've we've talked about so far. You know, was it some was it someone that approached you, maybe a fellow CEO, or you know, was it maybe another group that you went to that was similar to this that really spurred the idea, or did someone really just encourage you to start this because they they saw a little bit of both? Yeah. Uh, so I've been involved in some of the peer groups okay. as a member and as a chair and. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was a fairly large company and I just went, I, you know, my background, I'm, I'm the serial entrepreneur. So this, this wasn't a big leap for me. 
Uh, I went to it and went, that looks a little stale and antiquated. Uh, I want to be able to add technology, um, make it fresh. And uh, so to come up with the idea, because I've already been in this as a chair, I went, I'll just do my own and make it smaller, kind of follow the same format. There's no nothing really proprietary in these. You recruit good members and they help recruit good members as well and then have a pretty structured uh, meeting. I use quite a bit of technology in, in that. If you want to hear a little bit more, I'll be happy to tell you about that in the meeting. So uh, as you know, CEOs get, as I get older, they get younger, it seems. And they're really in tune with technology. So we throw quite a bit of technology in our meetings uh, as well. But it wasn't a big leap to go, you know, I, I know this is a great uh, business. I see that I could uh, multi-location it, multi-unit it. And uh, I'd like to get to 30 chairs over the next three or four years, different parts of Canada, the United States, maybe Mexico, New Zealand. I, I see I could uh, develop this in different parts of the world. Um mm-hmm as an area development kind of deal. And uh, those chairs, uh, maybe on a area development deal, recruit their own uh, chairs. Uh, so yeah. I'm using my multi, you know, my franchising background. This is not a franchise system, but it would kind of look like that. But I, I just look, looked at what was my next concept. Don't think I'll ever retire. Um, so this was something that I went, okay, it's a, it's a good model. Give back to the community. Uh, get involved with people within the community and uh, provide some, you know, direction and uh, support to them as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just the, the only reason I was really curious about that part in particular um, is just because I'm, I'm a part of something very similar here. It's called BNI business yep. networking international. So it's, it's similar, but it's different in that it's more about the small to medium sized business owners getting together on a weekly basis and building relationships and ultimately trying to find referral partners. So it's more sales driven where I'm sure yeah. this is as well, but it's it's more about, um, you know, like-minded people coming together and helping each yeah. other. Yeah, being a member as well, that is more networking within your community and helping each other generate leads and, and things like that. This has a little bit of a crossover to it. We're really not soliciting or trying to help each other with some business. Uh, you know, where I can provide, uh, you know, some marketing for you, uh, you do this for me. It's, it's a little more different, different than that. This is, you know, come with issues. Uh, I was involved with one uh, of these businesses where everybody came together just to really tell how great they were. Yeah. I went, you know, I don't think there's much, I don't think that that's got a lot of uh, longevity to it. Uh, You want to come where, I come, I come because I got problems. I don't want to come and listen to Jason talk about how great he is and how great you are. And I may feel like, man, I'm right in the toilet here at the moment. Things are terrible. Um, I don't want to go back to that. Yeah. Do I want to go to something where somebody is saying, you know, I'm struggling with, I got a VP op that I think I got a fire. I'm struggling with marketing or, our, uh, you know, cost per leads, uh, going up, our redemptions going down. Uh, you know, we're, we're 10% off last year. Our metrics are out of way out of control, uh, from where they should be. I need some help. Uh, and other, you know, when people go, okay, I can, I've got lots of questions for you. So yeah. I find that that's the best place. That's how these businesses are, these peer groups, and we're not the only people that do this. There's other people out there, groups out there that get together as well. 
maybe a slightly different format, but I think that they're all kind of operating in the same way. People are leaving generally energized, can't wait to get to the next meeting. They may have some accountability. You know, if they put themselves on the hot seat and they picked an accountability partner. So in between meetings that uh, I'll say, Jason, uh, hold me accountable to this. So phone me next week and I'll tell you, you know, what I'm implementing. And by the next time we get together as a group, uh, you know, you've held me accountable to, to do what I said I was going to do. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you, Wayne. We're going to take a very quick uh, break to hear from our sponsors, and then we will come right back and, and hear from Wayne. And now, a word from our sponsor. This week's episode is brought to you by Fresh Crowd. Fresh Crowd is a full-service social media agency in Canada that specializes in everything social, from management to community building and advertising. Fresh Crowd can help your business attract a fresh crowd of people. Visit freshcrowd.com to find out more. Okay, and welcome back to the podcast. So before the break, um, we heard from Wayne just describe uh, his background, where he came from, um, what he's doing now, uh, which is starting a group called Peer Group Forums, which consists of C-suite executives that come together um, to, to speak with each other about what their problems are and help each other find solutions. Um, we also dived into a little bit about the mindset of CEOs and what separates them uh, from people that are you know, maybe smaller business owners or not successful uh, CEOs or business owners. And now I really want to uh, dive into, Wayne, you know, what sort of, separate from the group even, just because you know a lot of CEOs and COOs, but what sort of problems and challenges are CEOs and CEOs facing today? And are there any general themes that you've noticed over, let's say, the past year? And a follow-up to that is, what sort of problems and challenges do you think they're going to face in the near future? Oh, how much time do we have, David? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just pick a couple. Maybe just a couple of the big ones that you know, last year you've really seen. Yeah, I would say that they, you know, they're all facing the same thing. Technology is always a challenging one. Like, what do we need to, what platform are we currently on and what do we need to get to? And I think there's a pretty, pretty famous line of the uh, level of technology inside your business is growing slower than what's outside your business. You're, you're behind, you're behind the eight ball. So staying on top of technology and what works with your business um, that's a, and, and then the, the recruiting, uh, where am I finding the right people, not necessarily skill because, uh, culture trumps skill every time, but I got to find the right people with the culture that match our current culture. And, um, what, you know, where do we find these people? Um, I don't know if either of you've ever been to either, uh, Microsoft or Google's main campuses. Uh, I've been, and uh, one's a morgue and one is a party. And now the morgue is fine because there's a bunch of morticians that seem to be working there. So that, that seems to work for Microsoft. And Google is a, you know, an all out uh, free for all seems. Uh, so they do a great job of finding the culture and then finding the skilled people to do that. Now, I gave you two examples of, you know, two of the world's largest companies. But you could be just some small little brand in uh, 
London, Ontario. And, you know, wh where do I find the people that I need? You know, do they, can they work remotely? Because technology's allowed that a lot more than it ever used to with uh, video calls and recorded calls, kind of what we're doing, uh, screencast stuff, uh, just so much more, you know, CRM stuff that never existed. Uh, you know, when I first started in business, none of these things uh, were, were available. So staying on top of technology, learning how to recruit the right people, and then onboarding and training. Uh, those, are the, those would be the keys. Having, here's what I would also say, what CEOs need to do, they need to train up their people, which is part of the ongoing training and support, a lot of personal development, spend time training your people, send them off to Sandler training, send them off to, or have them work with an executive coach like I used to, where, uh, you know, they learn how to delegate, they learn about accountability, they learn how to manage up and manage down if you're a CEO or, or something like that. So dedicate a lot of resources to training your people, not necessarily internal training, send them off somewhere for some training that they, that they could get. It could be, you know, Jason does all kinds of uh, seminars and travels the world with speaking. So, you know, there's a guy that, um, you know, if I was a brand somewhere, I'd say, I want to, Jason, can we do work with you? Can you, can you contract with us for a period of time to give us, you know, monthly coaching in an area like you know, SEO or something like that. I think one of the, the, the themes you touched on earlier on, which was important is the accountability. You know what I mean? And, and, and it's, it's the question like, and that's why I think, you know, the group's super interesting because, you know, when you're at the top and it's lonely at the top, who holds that person accountable, right? It could be shareholders, this and that, but especially for the smaller businesses where maybe shareholders are not, um, yep. not involved, who holds them accountable? Yeah, well, that I mean, they, they probably don't have a board either. So shareholders or slash a board. So, yeah, you've got to be pretty self-driven and it's easy to oh, it's easy to procrastinate. Uh, and if there's nobody that put that are, you know, that's pushing you. So that could be working with an, an executive coach or, uh, you know, because a coach that would probably be a little better initially. And then once you get yourself on board with, uh, you know, strategic initiatives, quarterly numbers, you know, your metrics, and then, uh, then join a group, like a peer group form that, uh, you want to be able to share your, share your metrics with. You've got to be able to come into these groups too, and, and divulge, uh, there's confidentiality for sure. Whatever, what happens in the groups or in the meeting stays in the meeting. You've got to be able to trust that the other people in there, uh, or, or, you know, every, all the information is confidential and you got to be able to trust these people. So that's would be a great place to come in and say, okay, I worked with an executive coach for a while. We got some systems in place, which could be reporting numbers. What are your metrics? Uh, getting on top of you, maybe, maybe getting a CRM developed because we didn't know anything about anything. We didn't know what our average job size was, what we didn't know profitability. We didn't know anything. We were just out there spinning numbers and guess what? The bills seem to get paid every month and maybe I made enough. I got a little bonus at the end of the year. Not a great way to run the business. So then join a peer group, uh, you know, again, of people of like-sized business that uh, can, you know, help hold you accountable to, uh, to your, you know, your yearly strategic initiatives. When, when we're speaking about accountability, 
Would you say that that a CEO is accountable for hiring the culture or creating the culture? And to what level is that important on each of those, creating the culture and hiring the culture? Is it one of the same or what are your thoughts on that? I think they create it, but they may have, again, it depends on the size of the visit. They may be the interview and selection team as well. So uh, they're going to be hiring for it uh, too. But culture is, you know, culture is a lot of stuff. It's, you know, what does your office space look like? Is it all just individual offices with the doors closed? Is it an open space uh, business? Is your, are your, your brand, you know, is your logo all through the business? Are your core values or um, manifesto or all those things are those you know on the walls do the does everybody in your business know what those are we used to and I still make every team I coach recall we start with their core values uh, if it's a one-on-one uh, if I was working with Jason Jason you read to me your core values uh, this month next month or next call I read them every meeting from that point on anybody within their company you read the core values somebody uh, so that everybody knows what they are. It's easy to have a, you know, a one pager that has five or six core values written, but if nobody knows them, they're what are they? Uh, so that's how you start building culture. And it's how do you, how do you even paint the build, paint your offices? What colors? What artwork do you have on the walls? Open space. Just lots of ways to create culture. Fun things. Maybe it's Friday afternoons is um, get together where. Uh, Come with the dumbest idea you have, because if you've got a dumb idea, you're in the right place. I think you're right. There's something to be said as well, especially in a lot of new companies uh, where the employees are entering the workforce, millennials, young. You know, it's a matter of keeping a flat hierarchy and, and, and having decisions like this, like what color were you painting the walls, uh, a, a group decision and getting everyone's involvement in it. I definitely think, and, and you would see this more often than I would, Wayne, but I know in our works, workspace, it's very much like that. It's very flat. We want to eliminate those that, that kind of hierarchy, right? Yeah. And I'm sure you're seeing that a lot more with a lot more young, younger entrepreneurs, younger CEOs. and, and yeah. Now, yeah, you don't want to give them the illusion of input either. Let the, <laughs> Maybe you got to give when they when they give you their ideas, uh, try to implement uh, you know, one every so often so that they know that they're being heard. But just try to make it fun. Lots of social events. Uh you know, there's another thing. The uh, we used to give away uh, an award every quarter, and it was a "You Make a Difference" award. So there was a nomination of somebody, and you know, guess what? The CEO or executive team can never win these. They're they're the ones nominating somebody who could be, you know, a rung or two down. And uh, I nominate uh, Jason for uh, his work over and above what he needed to do. It could be conference time of the year, which is typically you know January, February, March. Uh, conferences or it could be things throughout the year and uh, so we get together we kind of kick, kick around the ideas and you know the, at the next quarterly event we, you know after we read the core values and and that sort of stuff we get right into the you make a difference award and uh, this month it is awarded to you know some person and guess what you get the parking spot out front you get a month's worth or six months worth of car washes whatever it may be uh, just make it fun uh, so that when people come to work, they look forward to coming to work. They love putting the brand on their clothes and showing up and doing things without, you know, being begged to do some stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And, and thank you. I think that's really good insight um, into some of the problems and challenges that 
uh, CEOs and COs are facing now. And I know I asked, you know, what, what you think um, they're going to be challenged with in the future. And I think your answers are, are really one and the same. I mean, with the rate that technology is advancing, that's going to continue to be an issue for business owners, uh, implementing these new technologies into, into their businesses. Um, so, yeah, that's really great. Well, learning how to work with people, you know, that are really just coming through college now or could be their first job, uh, their skills are different. How they do things are different than when I went through college, university. Uh, you know, there was no, we didn't even know what the word multitasking. I don't think I learned that until Microsoft threw that word out there. I never heard of it. Uh, so just learning how to manage millennials is, is a challenge, especially if you're somebody, you know, 50, 55, 60, and you're still, you know, leading companies, uh, that's a challenge. Yep, absolutely. Okay, so we're going to move into the, the last couple questions um, of the, the interview today. So um, we'll go next to, you know, for the small to medium-sized business owners that are listening to this today, because that's the majority of, of who is probably going to be listening. So, you know, maybe they're not making the sort of revenue um, per year that they would need to join a group like this, or maybe they're still on the stage where they're wearing multiple hats and they're the CEO, the CFO, the CEO, everything like that. Um, what's one piece of advice that you would give uh, to them in order to, to take things to the next level? I would say, I, and I hear, heard this from so many people I coached and I, and I, always thought it was a great idea. Educate yourself. There's so much knowledge out there, either online or books or seminars. And I'm, I'm not suggesting you go and spend five grand or 10 grand going to, to watch Anthony Robbins and all that sort of stuff. I think that you know, that's probably a big stretch. If you're going to do that, I'd rather join a small group. Um, so that's what I'd suggest. Learn a lot about leadership, culture. Those are the keys delegation. Uh, and there's so many different ways to do that. Now, it, it is a little uh, pop for our business. We have the virtual groups, which meet monthly for an hour and a half to two hours for a fraction of the cost of a classroom. So it's kind of the same thing. It's just a streamlined version of a six or two an eight hour meeting into two hours. And uh, they're virtual. So it's kind of what we're doing here right now. You, know, you dial in uh, or you log into a, a, a video call and it's kind of the same thing. Come with the come with an issue, and we solve your issue. So there are other other ways to do this versus drop big dollars uh, with peer group forms with our virtuals. But maybe join a. There are smaller mastermind kind of groups out there that would be less expensive as well. But that's what I find. Uh, know you, know your strengths. Know your weaknesses. Probably better find a group or places where you can gain some knowledge, and. That's personal development for yourself. Even though you may think this is expensive, I think that that money comes back uh, tenfold with what you're going to learn and implement right away. Take something from every meeting and take it right back to your business and implement it. That's great advice. Well, thank you very, very much uh, for your time today, Wayne. Uh, this was a really interesting episode. I know I am always interested in in the mindsets, habits, and routines of people that are successful so that I can better myself and I feel like 
Um, most of our listeners will also be in the same boat. So for those uh, for those that want to uh, get in touch with you, um, because maybe they're interested in something that you uh, said today, or they want to find out more about uh, the groups that that you've referenced, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you, Wayne? Uh, I'll give you a website, which is www.peergroupforums, plural.com. Toll-free is 888-464-4242. You can leave a message uh, uh, and for myself or any of our other chairs. Uh, email is wayne at peergroupforums.com. Awesome. Okay. Well, uh, be sure to reach out to Wayne and uh, we also want to hear from you as well. So um, please rate, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, Check us out on social at Merged Media. Visit our website, merged.ca or email us to get on the podcast at podcast at merged.ca. All the show notes, check the website. Um, You'll get all the show notes and all the links that Wayne talked about today will be on the page on the website. Absolutely. So Wayne, one final question before we let you go. We ask everybody the same question at the end of every single show. And that is, if you could choose one person, dead or alive, to represent your brand, who would it be and why? I like everybody have a few mentors that I bump up against as as frequently as I can. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sure that I'd say that they would be a great brand uh, uh, rep for me. I'm going to go, okay, this person comes into mind. I, you know, I'm a hockey fan. I'm a Canadian. Uh, mm-hmm. I know he does, uh, still does some um, uh, endorsement work. I'm going to go Bobby Orr. Oh, hey, hometown Perry Sound. That is where I'm from. I'm glad you chose Bobby Orr. Yep, yep. Cool. Awesome. That is, uh, that's, a good, that's a good one. So thanks a lot, Wayne. That, uh, that's it for today. We really appreciate you being on the podcast. And uh, until next time talk to you later listen anytime guys i'm uh, happy to do it thanks wayne cheers